This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the uh, Royal Blue Podcast and we're actually all together today for, for this one. It's like pre-pandemic times, um, if only it was the same on the pitch for Everton. Um, I'm your host um, Chris Beasley, joined by uh, the Everton uh, correspondent Joe Thomas, Conor O'Neill and our regular guest uh, Gavin Buckland. We'll uh, analyse all that went on at the, the Emirates on Wednesday night while looking forward to uh, another huge game, aren't they all? Um, at the city ground on Nottingham as uh, Everton face uh, Forest at the weekend. Uh, Joe, start with you. You were obviously at the Emirates for us, as you said. Uh, um, decent start, but in the end, it, it was a very poor finish. In the end, it was the same. So so many away games that we, we've had over the last two seasons, the vast majority of them all but, all but two, really, isn't it? Yeah. Two wins, Leicester and Southampton. Those magical moments on the road have been too rare. And once again, we've got the away end. Yeah, brilliant away end that packs out. Sold out again for Chelsea already, despite you know, some of the dire performances they've witnessed so far this season. You know, they just keep turning up. I just can't believe it. But yeah, I think, I mean, it was essentially a game of two halves on, on, on Wednesday night. And I'm still, if I'm honest, I'm still trying to work out what I think about Wednesday's game, really, because... Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, oh, Arsenal are top of the league. I know Everton only beat them very recently, but they're top of the league. They're in their own their own backyard. You know, we know where Everton are at this this season. It was always going to be a very difficult game. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Everton to turn up and and win. We yeah. hoped it would be possible, but and we knew it would be. Of course, anything's possible, yeah. but no one expected that. That first forty minutes was very good. They were so well organised, so well drilled. You know, I mean, I was, I was looking at the stats as it were unfolding. You know, 39 minutes in, Everton have had two shots on target. Arsenal had none. You know, obviously they play nice football in 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 in, in Everton's half. But Everton seemed quite happy to let to draw them onto him on the edge of the box. And the reality after that was Onana, Decore, Gay would disrupt things, and then in the loose balls that, that, that spilt out from that, Tarkovsky and Keane were just too strong for the Arsenal players to mop them up. And then Everton did actually pose a bit of a threat on the break. Then we know with this Everton side that it can't can't manage going to go down, and then that's what happened. And you bit of quality from Zinchenko, lovely ball, you know, bit of, you know, a fantastic finish from from Saka. Um, you know that sides of the quality that Arsenal have got are capable of doing things. Like that. There's only so much you can do about it. But after that, everything just goes to pot because Everton can't come from a goal behind. They can't chase a game. I mean, the reality was. We didn't even get an opportunity to see if Everton, if anything had changed under Dyche in the longer term, and, and they might be able to chase the game away from home because Adrissa Gay goes and, I mean, Dyche can explain it at the end. Uh, I still can't explain it. I thought maybe for a whistle had gone or something like that, the way he stops, but it, I, I, I don't think, bearing in mind he's the one that makes a tackle, I think, on Odegaard to get the ball in the first place, and, and, and that's not a tackle. I think Odegaard slips or you know, I, I just don't, I just can't comprehend what he's doing. And, and unfortunately, he gets half time, the game's gone. Second half, second half, you could say, well, game's gone. Don't analyse it too much. But I, the second half worried me because it was a re- repetition of so many of the themes that we've seen throughout the last 18 months. Of, you know, you, you just thought maybe Dice should have said, okay, you're probably not going to win, but put him out there. You know, just hold on to respectability. Don't let it turn into a cricket score. Everyone got played off the park. You know, they were they were demolished in that second half. It was four. It could have been six. You know, and and that that concerns me. I know Dyche has only had a very small amount of time to imprint his mentality on this team's 
We've seen a few back in numbers. It's been a hard watch for him to watch just how fragile and confidence this team is and how it is capable of imploding, as we have seen against Brighton, as we have seen against Bournemouth, as we have seen in other games as well. So, you know, I mean, we're a couple of days onwards. So I'm still trying to work out whether or not to take the positives from the first 40 minutes or the negatives from the, the, the 50 that followed it. But I think, um, you know, I'm interested to hear what you, what you guys think. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, do you, Connor, do you take heart from seeing whatever they're capable of? Or do you actually just fear because even at their best, they still couldn't get a goal and then everything went absolutely to pot after that? Definitely the latter. Yeah. And I think my <clears throat> the big worry I've got is we hope that Sean Dyche could possibly change the mentality yeah. of this group of players and, and, and this squad and this, you know, trying to instill a bit more maybe self-belief that, you know, if you do go goal behind, it's not the end of the world. You know, you can pick yourself up, brush yourself off, come from behind. And if anything, on Wednesday, it was a repeat of what we've seen for, what, two years now of just basically falling to pieces, you know, go and go behind. People start making mistakes. People start, you know, panicking. People clearly lose their heads and just we kind of fall back into that trap that we seem to always be in and in which is, you know, one of damage limitation, essentially. Yeah. You know, how many times have we watched Everton on the road this, not even this season, you know, last season where it goes to one, goes to two, and you think, oh, I just don't get battered. Yeah. And, you know, you think back to Lampard when he went to Tottenham last season when he clearly wants to have the way he wanted to play. It was clear for all to see that night and he quickly changed it after that because I think he realised we're going to go down and we're going to go down fast if we play like this and mm. you've obviously set the team up differently. The way Sean Dyche set the team up is it's actually meant to be quite defensively strong and defensively kind of minded. And yet, you know, Everton still concedes a four on Wednesday night. Could have been more. Conceded two last week against Villa. That could I mean, the thing with Villa was we had chances. Yeah. Everton had chances. But Villa also had chances. You know, Watkins forces Pickford into a great save. Watkins went close again in the first half. They had chances themselves. In the first 20 minutes, they could have been two and a lot. So, again, they did give the chance to the opposition. And, and the worst thing about the night was I didn't think Arsenal that good. I didn't think Arsenal yeah. that great. But yet, they still scored four. And, and in the end, could have scored more. And I'm probably walking the park for them. I'll get into second. And that's the worry because you just think, now are we just on that familiar road now where nothing's going to change? And unfortunately, you know, relegation does seem to be beckoning a little bit because there's, there's been no change in the mentality and you know it is back on all on home games but that can only get you so far and Everton got away with that one last year of winning home games whether you can do the same this year is a big question because the lack of goals and the lack of firepower is beyond worrying now I mean I, I don't think any of us sat around this table but honestly think Everton are going to score more than once in a game do we unless it's a, we score one and then we score a fluke because <laughs> Yeah. There's just no composure there. You know, you look even like you've done night, you know, Warp has a great chance at nil nil, where all he's got to do there is just hit it first time as hard as he can, low and hard, and he's, he's gonna force Ramsdale into a save. Instead he hesitates, takes a heavy touch, and next thing Gabriel can clear the danger. Right. It's their moments that are costing Everton and right now the future looks a little bit grim and a little bit bleak because of what we've seen over the past week. Yeah, I mean home and away Gav, but in the space of a month past a five goal swing, I just have concern and yeah, yeah. I just think yeah. can't really add much to the what Joe and Connor have said really that in the set when Dice took over that, you know, a new manager, you've got to get, as you say, that change in the players, you've got to get them to, to change what they were doing under Lampard, and they have done to a certain degree. And I think the improvements that have with Dice, and I think he probably alluded to this 
in the press conference to, today is, I know it's a bit of a daft one, but at nil-nil, we look a better team than what we did under Frank. And that's mm. a bad, daft question. <laughs> you, know, that, mm. that, you know, it sounds daft, but we do look more secure at nil-nil. I mean, that game on at Arsenal, it was a bit like the derby, wasn't it? We're after half an hour in the derby, and you're sitting there and thinking, like, it's not a lot happening here, isn't mm. it? We're not giving Liverpool much, you know. And he, and but at Anfield, we didn't offer anything up front, but we did on, on Wednesday. In fact, it was quite an open game for the first 20 minutes, which was a bit worrying. So I think I can see the improvement on Dice that we do look more secure at the start of the game. But this thing, when you go 1-0 behind, and, and you know what? I think... The frustrating thing for me about Wednesday was like I think the wrong people have had the criticism Michalenko and Keane, wasn't it? You were, I think it starts, doesn't it, where on our left there, right, Onana, he's he's got Ben White and he's got Sinchenko. And if you see him when White passed the ball to Sinchenko, Onana puts his hands out because it's two against one. And then Sinchenko gets plays in. And if you watch it, um, Takore is not marking anybody, isn't he? He should be picking up Odegaard. But because he's not picking up Odegaard, that means we've got two players, Keane and Michelenko, marking three, haven't he? You've got mm. Martinelli, Saka, and Odegaard, who's three, who should be marked. And if Odegaard's marked, they can mark the other two. But because Odegaard's not marked, the two of them, they're going to lose a man, whatever they do. And I suppose you could say that was wrong. At least they should have done something rather than stand still. But the whole pro- that whole problem started with our midfield, not Michelenko and, and, and Keane, even though they got the stick. And if I was a manager saying I've really drilled it, you know, that's the type of thing you respect with Dice's talk about coaching videos. So the type of thing he drills into players, isn't he? About you know, defending the V and, and all that type of stuff. And we didn't do that on, on Wednesday. And once that happens, the game's a foot and it's gone, hasn't it? And you know. Garner Gay's never been my most favourite player on <laughs> at all. If it, this, this this podcast over seven years, um, added more more evidence why because that was just that was a schoolboy one. It really and even you gone at half time, you think just stay in the game here one 0 stay in the game, but two 0 and it, I mean how many goals you can see? See, can see it like that in a professional football, no, well, and. You say, you say, now we've seen a couple of seasons. Yeah, but you know, all come from the same source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at that time, <laughs> just stopped. I mean, I didn't know what he was doing, and that's it. And then, as you say, two 0 you're thinking it's damage limitation here at two 0 and because for forty minutes, like we were, we were in the game when we were made it very difficult for Arsenal. They've not had an attempt on goal. We didn't get to half time, and then just take it from there, and we threw it away. And, and that's what you do if you've got bad players making bad decisions. You're going to get bad results, unfortunately. And it was it was very concerning, uh, to be honest with you. This is the second half, and very concerning that when the options that we brought on the bench, oh, the bench, you know, with all due respect, hardly improved our performance. Did they? Godfrey mm-hmm. had a bit of a mare. Tom Davis had a little bit of a mare at the end of it, you know. And 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 Gray come on a little bit, little bit of influence. But it's not not as if he had Anderson on the bench, unless he wanted to put six centre halves off in the back, the back. And that that was the other. That was the thing about the second half. That really shows showed where we are is the fact that we had nothing to bring on and if anything those that that we brought on actually made our performance deteriorate. Yeah. I mean we've talked about it just again, Joe. senior pro, I mean as you get to that age 33 now, I think you know the legs could go, but it's not a case of the legs going. This is the he should be we were talking about this off earlier with Connor, similar to when Gareth Barry was at Everton, the wise old head in front of the back four, things ticking over 
just looking after the shop, really. And it, it, it's, like I say, it's not a one-off. This has happened several times now, these bizarre lapses in concentration. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it was inexplicable against Arsenal. Um, you know, gave away the penalty that changed the game against Villa. And like I said, on Monday, I think it was a penalty. I think it was a, a, a clumsy tackle he possibly didn't need to make. He had the goal against Brighton. All right, the damage was done in that game, but he kind of played that no look back pass. So, it again, sounds like he did look. It sounds like he was picking him out. Yeah, that, that's it. And I look at a back to back pass a bit kinder. Above a through ball. Yeah, through. <laughs> I think if you're being taken to the limits, I think the first Liverpool goal you should have brought was a Robertson. I can't remember. It's good to play the stroll forward. Yeah. Should have been a bit more cynical, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And you bear in mind he's a 33 year old who's played at the top yeah. of European football. Again, going back to Barry, that's what he'd do. He'd take the yellow. And even then, like, I mean, I. I'm sure there was one against Villa the other day. I'm sure I've seen a couple of those kind of almost not looking passes behind him to centre backs that he's got away with in recent games. Leeds. Leeds, Leeds, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I definitely saw it. You know, and obviously it's not good enough. It's not cost out. And I have a degree of sympathy in the fact that there's a bit of chaos around him. You know, let's be honest, he's not playing in the the, the most adaptive midfields and things like that, but. You know, you just need him to do the simple things well, and and unfortunately, he's he's making too many mistakes that are proven costly. He, when he plays well, he plays very well. He was excellent against Leeds. You know, for, for what we say about it, he obviously got away with one, but he was very very good. But I think ultimately it comes back to the fact that there's just such little competition for places in that really he probably would have had some time outside the first eleven in the part you know post World Cup certainly post Brighton if there was any competition for him um, but but quite clearly there isn't Everton slightly unfortunate because James Garner suffered such a significant injury and I think he would be knocking on the door but you know even even with Wednesday night we see that you know, what Dice does is he, he brings up Idris again you know, and put Mason Holgate there and mm-hmm. need a defensive centre mid and I felt a bit sorry I gave him a bit of a I gave him a low scoring player ratings and obviously the caveat that it's not his normal position Obviously, defensive centre midfielder and two Arsenal goals come from you know midfielders drifting into the box completely unmarked. Mm-hmm. Does doesn't help, but it's not his position. And again, that's that's the part where that's part of the problem for Everton, isn't it? There's just no strength in depth, no competition for places, and it's just you know it'd be so key to driving up standards, doesn't it? How many players, how many players in that starting eleven are genuinely fearful of for their place if they make a mistake? And the answer is probably very very few. Maybe the centre backs. I thought that was quite telling though from a, if you're Tom Davis sat there well, half yeah. time yeah. and Mason yeah. Holgate's getting them not to go and play defensive centre midfield yeah. overusing that midfield just played there a long time I know Holgate played there a couple of these both Man United and done quite well and has filled in there but I thought it was quite telling that a centre back comes on the last go, time Holgate yeah. played defensive centre midfield was at Burnley in the 3-2 the 3-2 the the yeah. when yeah. Dice was watching I mean <laughs> I mean, if he took, I mean, if if from that performance he thinks that he's an adept centre midfielder, then I mean, I don't know what he was mm. watching. But I just thought that was given, you know, the position Tom Davis finds himself in mm. the club, terms of contract with up in the summer, a defender getting them up to come on and go and, and kind of, you know, can't keep the midfield yeah. together it was quite telling. And and again, it just shows the lack of options, doesn't it? That basically everything I've got is that, you know, I mean, we could literally. As things stand, field a team full of centre backs from the back four and two midfielders. Could essentially, we yeah. could put Godfrey in a 
one of the full-backs. Mikalenko can play centre-half. Yeah, you know, Mikalenko can play, you know, yeah, yeah. Godfrey <laughs> probably could play centre-field, yeah. which has been suggested. So, it, yeah. it just shows, doesn't it, how imbalanced the squad is, I suppose. And But that was the one thing that caught my eye. Was, there was two things that caught my eye. was Holgate coming on for for Guy and Walker getting brought off with half an hour to go. Mm. Because if your team's 2-0 down and you're the only senior forwards that the, the mm. club's got, it's not great when you just come, you're being brought off with half an hour to go, but you're side chasing the game, which, you know, yeah, you, you know, you keep, you like to think you keep as many four plays in the pitch as you can, couldn't you, in the hope that you do get one chance, 2-1, you're back in it, they might get a little bit nervous, the fact he was taken off and a winger essentially replaced him in the Mario Gray up top, not even Ellis Sims, I thought was, was quite time as well, because it just doesn't, hmm. just doesn't look good, does it, from the outside, if you look, it just doesn't look good. Yeah. Obviously, Deitch, Gav, um, isn't going to, Throw or just to get under the bus publicly, and they and he can't do really. You know, he, he needs to keep everybody on, on, on side, um, in, in that respect. But he must be concerned in that his senior pros are doing stuff like that. Let me say, okay, if, if the legs have gone or whatever, but you want the, these are the ones you want to be dependent on. He's making like the sort of mistakes that a rookie would make, but he's always had that in him, even his first balance. It's first ball at Evan, kind of guy, you know, goes to the ground too easily. You know, like a filler. I mean, what's the, the derby April 2017? Copy 3-1. We can see two first half goals because Garner Gay goes to ground, you know, in, in the midfield when he doesn't have to, and they pull them break and, and score both times. So he's always had that in him. Um I'd, I'd be I'd be concerned with the lack of concentration from the midfield for the first goal. Mm-hmm. It was just all three of them were all in, you know. Now Anana was all in the right place, but Garner Gay and the were should be marking players when marking space, and that left the defence vulnerable. Yeah, it's it's senior pros, isn't it? Cody's had the same sorts of problems, hasn't he, over the last uh, last couple of months? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the, that's that's indicative of our previous transfer market activity, isn't it? That we've been forced to buy players because we've got no money. Who I think people are probably good players, but actually we're getting them at the tail end of the career because that's the only thing we can afford. That, and that's the, that, you know, and, and and when you do that, those are the risks that you open yourself up to, don't they? That actually, they're not going to be physically as robust as what they were in the mid-20s. And also the concentration levels and stuff like that, the mental side of the game is not going to be as strong as well. And that's the place you pay, unfortunately, for, for uh, you know, we don't need to go down the road again. Our long-standing issues in, in, in terms of the people we brought in. But, yeah, Garner Gay is the one that's vulnerable because he's technically the only player, I think, that we've got who can play that position, isn't he, really? Yeah. You know, that... Yeah, and, and that, that's slightly different. You, can, you know, Jones something yeah. like... Some, yeah, something yeah. like Takore or Anana, you can you could swap them one of them in theory for a Wolby, say. Possibly, or Garner, but... Garner Gay is the only player, isn't he? That I mean, you could argue Tom could do it, but Tom has struggled in that also in the past. He's the only player who can probably play that naturally, and that's the concern for us is that we haven't got any, we haven't got an option there, have we? Where we've got options in, in other parts of the midfield. Yeah. Joe, you've just joined us from Finch Farm where you were doing um, Sean Deitch's as presser, and uh, as always at the moment, he gets asked about Dominic Calvert Lewin, and it tends to be the case. Um, doesn't give much away in terms of an answer. No, um, and, and and to a certain extent, I think you can see a degree of frustration in the fact that he, from him in the fact that he keeps getting asked. But 
you know, his typical response to that in general is that you know it's a team game. You can't focus just on one player. Mm. You've got a squad that needs to score goals and things like that. But we all know, and he probably does as well, that Everton's survival is probably down to whether or not Calvert Lewin plays eight or nine games the last thirteen. You know, there's a reason why we keep out here. It's because Everton are just so much better with him in the team. And if anything, you can see. In, in the progress that we've been able to see under Deitch, obviously having a much better at getting forward, many more touches in and around the box, creating more chances. You know, it's just set up perfectly for someone like a Calvert-Lewin to step in and take advantage of all that. If he comes back, then brilliant. If he doesn't, then probably going to be more of the same. It's going to be really difficult. Just look at, say, that first hour against Arsenal, uh, Goodison Park when Calvert Lewin's there, obviously has a completely different side. He occupies centre backs, he drags them all over the place. And, you know, and although he's only scored one goal this season, you know, it's it's the space that he creates, the opportunity to pitch other people around them. So, you know, it, yeah, very much a case of we'll wait and see. You know, maybe he will, maybe he won't be available for Forest. I, I think that it's clear that they're not going to rush him back. It's, it, it, clear that they're only going to go with him when they think that he's not just available to play 60 minutes or 90 minutes, but 90 minutes and then that not prevent him from playing 90 minutes, you know, seven days later and things like that. But you know, Sean Dice says he doesn't do time frames, And as a result, we're kind of just perpetually left guessing, I think. And I think to be fair, I think he probably is as well to a certain mm. extent. Like I don't, I, like mm. it's clear this isn't a clear cut. Danny Hamstring is going to be four to six weeks. It's clear that from some of the comments he's made about almost trying to rebuild Dominic Calvert-Lewin in general fitness, it's it's it is almost like a rebuilding job. He's got to recompute him, and that is you know, how long's a piece of string, I suppose. You know, I don't know. Hopefully forever, and it's it's as soon as possible because they're a completely different side with him than they are without him. So, what it's worth, I was I was given a whisper last night that he. They were pencilling in the, the Chelsea game, which seemed rather strange to me, given there's a 16-day gap after that particular fixture. But who knows? Let's see. Well, we we're presuming he, he won't be fit, Connor, for the City ground. But regardless of that, um, I think it's time for changes. Do you think this could be the one where Sean Dyche reverts to his, his bread and butter of a 4-4-2 formation? I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I kind of felt tonight was the final, the final straw of what we've seen so far since Tony Dyche come in. I think the Arsenal, his first game in charge, which will be Arsenal home. Everyone was, you know, delighted about compactly where, you know. But I think largely, you know, I know we don't want to, we don't want to harp on because, you know, whether we all sound like broken records when it comes to Calvert Lewin, but it looked very much like Calvert Lewin was the focal point of that in terms of for an hour mm-hmm. up top, putting himself about, holding the ball up. Um, and obviously Leeds, we kind of got away with it because we scored a wonder goal. And let's face it, they weren't very good. <laughs> um, so we got away with it. But I think in recent weeks, the 4 5 one's become a little bit now, a little bit tired, hasn't it? A little bit kind of, we're not getting the best. And I think now we've just got to try and get as many forward attacking options on the pitch as we can to give ourselves the best chance of a goal. And I think that is 4-4-2. I think I wouldn't be surprised if, if there is no Calvert doing us if, if Sims and, and Demari Gray kind of lead the line. Maybe it's a, a 4 4 1 1 more than a 4 4 2. Just something different. And I, 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 half, I half want to see something different now, mix things up, you know, try and do something different. Because, like I say, I think 
it's getting a bit boring now what we're seeing. And, and I know the big thing as well, isn't it? We're just all too, too predictable. I think if we can try and curveball a team by doing something different, then that'll give everyone a little bit of a boost and a little bit of hope. So I'd like to see changes at the weekend. I think Adressing Garnica has got to come out, is the man who falls out to the midfield. I think there's been question marks over him before the mistake at Arsenal anyway. So I think he'll be the one who makes way. But yeah, I think there's, there's got to be some sort of changes now. I think we'll all be dis- I think we'd all be disappointed if come Sunday it yeah. was, you know, four or five or more play up top again and very much more of the same because I just think, you know, we've all seen enough of that now and, and now it is. And sure, they just had so much success playing four four two as well. I mean, we look at a lot of his, his better Burnley teams were based on playing four four two. So I think, you know, it's a system that he likes, it's a system that he's used to playing. It's one I think I'd like to see Everton and play at WKM. But I think there are just big questions about the back as well, isn't he? If he, if he, if he think it was interesting that Ben Goffrey played the final half an hour on Wednesday at right back in place of James Coleman. Is that maybe one he, he looks at? You know, obviously Connor Cozy dropped out in place of Michael Keane. You know, is 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 Yeti Mina maybe pushing for a start as one of the centre backs? I would personally put him in if, if he's fit, because I think he's the best centre back we've we've got. Um and I, I would certainly look at getting him in the team and and even Mikhailenko possibly coming out and, and maybe Godfrey goes to the left back and Coleman starts at right back. But yeah, I mean, there's multiple changes he can make and, and I wouldn't be too disappointed if come Sunday afternoon then multiple changes were made for, for the yeah. game. Might, yeah. might it be an easy if you just ask which players you expect to retain yeah. the conversation. What I will say, Gavin, I mean, do you, do you imagine there will be more firepower? Are you, are you wanting that yeah. change to happen? Matt? Absolutely. I mean... What's our goals for? Is it 17? 17 is it? and 25. Yeah, a couple of them have been worldies, haven't they? And we've had an own goal there. So, uh, yeah, you've got to get Gray on the pitch somewhere. Which he hasn't done so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite obvious that he obviously doesn't think, he thinks he doesn't work hard enough. But you've uh, you've got to get Gray on the pitch. I don't know how we do that. But as Connor says, a 4 4 2. The only problem with 4 4 2 is we leave ourselves with two centre mids when we need three. And if you let Garner Gago, you haven't really got a natural defensive midfield. You definitely need in a four-four-two, so that that's that's an issue. Uh, I think if you play four-four-two, Garner Gago's got more chance of playing. Uh, to be fair, um, probably with the Nana, but I'd like to see Gray get on the pitch. I'd like to definitely see Mina. I mean, I don't know what the story is with Mina. These are, I mean, statistically showing that we're far more capable of getting points when Mina's on the pitch, isn't it? You know, always and. He costs cost us hundred grand a week. He's, he's only got a couple of months left. You know, playing when he's fit. I don't understand it. Whether he just like like Gray, there's something with Dice that he doesn't like him, or whether he likes a certain type of centre half in terms of you know, um, you know, domestic centre half. I don't know, but I think you get you got to get meaning on the pitch. I mean, I was puzzled about Coleman playing. On Wednesday, because didn't he say that he dropped Cody because it was three games a week? That was that was one of the things. Man, well, managing the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, a man hasn't missed a game. Yeah, yes. I, I, was, I was slightly baffled in that context. But well, you, if you don't do that, you yeah. drop Cody mm. before and that wouldn't yeah. you? He was thirty-five. So I think um, I keep Coleman in because I'm not convinced about about Godfrey. To be honest with you, yeah, and there's even more. You know, there's more evidence of that on Wednesday. So for basically what we're saying is, me and I definitely. Gray definitely. I think there's an argument to say doing something different, get Sims on the pitch and just see what happens. Um and apart from that, we haven't got well Chelsea. I mean, if you've been four four two, just thinking aloud here, who would you have as your wide man? But if you went you what would you have four four two with with Gray and Sims? 
Yeah, and then yeah, McNeil and McLeod will be out wide. Okay. Yeah, I just think with a little bit of light in midfield there, you'd have to get more pay playing as a basically an auxiliary midfielder, which sometimes the Brighton used to do that, yeah, to be fair, and drop back. Yeah, possibly. You've got to do something different. Four five one doesn't work. It's not a, a, a system that suits our midfielders, and there's certainly not a system that suits Mopay. He's had far too much stick for playing a role that actually he's not suited for, and in the formation that doesn't suit the team. So, uh, as I said earlier on, maybe it's, Mo, I, I, I get Mopay's deficiencies, but Brian Clough always used to say the worst thing in football is giving a job to somebody who hasn't got the tools to do it, and Mopay is is a prime example of that. He should not never be anywhere near low striker role. That is not his strength. But we're asking him to play a role that's more suited to a Sims to his when he said a now Quinn type character. You know, <laughs> actually someone like me to be fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like a, a big, you know, like a job with it at Chelsea, you know. But move by a five foot eight, whatever he is, he's not known striker material. We are going back to the whole recruitment issue here. Yeah, yeah, we have that, but that we could we could just have a podcast on that, isn't it? Yeah. And he obviously bought him to play flanks four three three, didn't he? That like sort mm. of like he did like he had like three up top. But the problem with this flank goes, you dice comes in, then you've got a player there, haven't you? Who's not suited to anything that base wants to do. Mm-hmm. Joe, um, the one thing that Sean Dyche um, knows in terms of Premier League opponents, I guess, it is Nottingham Forest. We discussed this. He lives in Nottingham. He watched them quite a lot before he got he got the Everton job. So depending on what he wants to do tactically at the weekend. This is probably the one fixture that he'll have done the most homework on, just um, just through sheer circumstances of, of being in and around the area. Yeah, well, we probably knows this Forest side better than any other team than Everton in the Premier League. I, I should think you know, he spent a lot of time there after he got dismissed from Burnley, and then <coughs> excuse me, we we saw that he was at the Forest uh, Leeds game quite recently in that as well. I, like I agree that I think now might be a time for changes for for a couple of reasons, and I, I just. I mean, it's just such a big game. It's a, it's a game that Evan could it could do with winning. Really, yeah. if they win, it, it has such a momentum. It has it's like a potential, a game, isn't it? It draws them. Back, uh, yeah, right? it has the potential to be such a, a game changer. You know, I know they they've got a re- relatively decent home record at the moment, but I'm not looking at that Forest side and thinking that it's it's unbeatable um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, it definitely feels like an easier game to me than, say, Villa at home or, or Arsenal away. You know, I think they have fewer weapons and I think they have, the, where they have deficiencies, I think their deficiencies are far greater. Centre-back, for instance. Um, so, you know, I think that this might be the time that Deitch springs a surprise. Maybe it's a game that he's, maybe it's a game that they've been holding Calvert-Lewin back for, or maybe it's a game that they, they adopt a different formation or something like that. But, you know, I I feel this feels like a bigger game to me than a lot of the other ones, with the exception of Leeds that we've had recently. And I think he might try something a little bit different. I hope he does. I'm not so anti the four-five-one, but I think if the four-five-one stays, it might be the time for changes in personnel and positions. You know, I like perhaps I'd perhaps he's after saying he didn't like it, in a Fellaini kind of role. He started to almost play Fellaini in a Anana uh, no, no, in a Fellaini kind of role. Yeah, we saw him much more advanced on on Wednesday and got up ahead. It was Anana. He's not particularly good in the air. You know, I, I and he's you know I I what I'd probably do is I'd I'd bring Gay out of the team like all of us. You know, I'd ask Anana to sit in front of the defence and I'd put a Wobi back in the middle of the pitch because 
that's you know he's been our most creative player by some distance this season and you know the vast majority of his his creativity his influence has come when he's been playing on the left and center midfield and and that's that's what I look to do and then that gives me an opportunity to bring Gray into the side by playing in wide right um and then almost it's a four five one out of possession, but it's more more of a four three three in possession than probably that we have seen recently because you know against in both Arsenal matches, Villa, Leeds, Dwight McNeil and Alex Awobi have been asked to do so much defending that you know the the onus of them to get up and down the pitch has been so extreme that quite often whoever has been up front ends up isolated will I'd probably give him a little bit more freedom this time around. I'd Gray on the one side, McNeil on the other, and I'd probably just about keep more pay up top. But, you know, he's nuisance factor. And, and in fairness to, to Mopi, what he is doing is he is getting into the positions. It's finishing. Maybe, you know, maybe there is hope that if one goes in, they might all start going in. You know, yeah, he is, he is getting in the right areas and having the chances. It's just what he's doing with them. So... Like I don't like the idea of playing Gray up front by himself because I think he'd just be too lightweight. I think he'd get isolated and bullied, and I think he's got to play a lot of your backs at all. Isn't yeah, it? That's not his game, so, is it? Yeah. So you know, I, I think he. I hope he does change it. Um, I, I like the idea of going four four two and playing Gray up top that way, but having someone around him, probably Ellis Sims to do it. But I agree with everybody that I think Gay comes out, and I think if Gay comes out of the side, I. I, I don't know who that midfield partnership is then. Um, I feel like it was sacrificed too much for me. So I think it's interesting because obviously James Garner played. I was mm. there last night for the 21s against PSV. 84 minutes. Played recently as well. He played the behind closed door game or recently as well. If maybe the game was a week later, a week on, and he had bought another week for training, whether he had come into Sean Dice just thinking of someone yeah, a bit of a bit of a wild card, a bit of a, you know, but come play in front of that back four and kind of, you know, almost say to him, look, you're going to play in the number six role. Don't do nothing, Matt. Just sit in front of the back four, sweep up, and then look to, look to try and release the two, the two wingers. You mm. don't know whether he might have come into the thinking, but it's probably a little bit too early. Yeah. I would suggest for him to start mm. the weekend, but it's interesting. it could be an option moving forward, though, if they do yeah. go to 4-4-2. Four, 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 just going back to Gav's point on Mope and him being brought in, it's still hard to really fathom out what the thinking was other than maybe we need a forward player and he's, he's available, available <laughs> because Frank was always quite clear that he didn't see him as playing up top alongside Dominic Calvert-Lewin but yeah when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was on the pitch he didn't play him in the wide positions in a 4-3-3 either <laughs> and then when Dominic Calvert-Lewin wasn't fit and Evan didn't have another strike he played him up top in a system which is a style of play which is very very much suited to more like a Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the middle than a Five foot seven, you know, it's aggressive. Small, but five eight, five eight, 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 Like it's it's it still feels a little bit bemusing as to what the overall strategy was there. Um, and also the midfield, he'd have Bright, Brighton had wing backs, didn't he? He'd have midfielders, he'd go out wide, and midfielders would come through the middle, and that didn't that doesn't happen at Everton, you know. So, yeah, there's. You keep giving stick balls. Is that called a Brighton for a team that didn't score a lot of goals with one goal in every four? Which doesn't sound a lot. That's like nine goals every season. But the Charlesons, I thought they was only eleven goals every season. So I mean, you're not talking massive difference. It's just as you say, Joe said the role, the the, the sense of our team compared to the sense of Brighton and the tactics, they're just completely unsuited to him. I think as a player, but we bought him. 
and uh, and that's even become more exacerbated now because Dice's tactics even far far, far more removed from Frank's mm. tactics. So we get going more and more distance away from the reason why we bought him, and um, so I do have a lot of sympathy for him. He's had a lot of stick, and and I do have a lot. Of, I do have a lot of sympathy for Mopai. Yeah. Um, well, there's a there's a few, isn't there? Like you know, look at the transfer window and the summer just gone. There's a few questions now from the floor because obviously Nova Nagre come in, who just seen as another looking all season, despite mm, where Mikalenko yeah, yeah. even under Frank when Mikalenko maybe struggled a little bit. Yeah. It was never really seen as Nagre was ever going to get the nod to come in, and now under Dice, you suspect he's probably even better than Pekano the way given his his size and you know Sean Dice was just like yeah. you know bigger lads to play at the back where there's even a full back so even that sense you think well why why did they haven't really if they didn't you know why did they bring him to the club you know what I mean because obviously there's not yeah you know he's been nowhere near the team essentially and he's just yeah. sitting on the it's bench alone as well for now, yeah. yeah so that's a long place as well that's exactly you know when you think so it does there's a lot of questions I think now as, as the season's got on I think perhaps what we thought was good transfer business maybe around August September has <laughs> the floor and the yeah. questions that probably do need answering. Yeah, well, I'm going to come to the the big one. Um, predictions time. Um, it's not often that two teams, I guess, go into a fixture on the back of respective four nil defeats <laughs> for, uh, for, for both of them. But, um, <laughs> well, we just say this, this season's full of surprises. Yeah, Joe, it, it, it's a big one, isn't it? And uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? It's a huge, it's a huge week. Yeah. We, oh, I mean, God, yeah. like yeah. we we throw in the Brentford game as well, and then you look at what comes after. Was it? Is it Chelsea, United, and Tottenham? Yeah, yeah. Those three games really haven't need to win one of these two games. I think if they, if they don't get a win from Forest or Brentford, and then obviously they, they're not going to get anything from the following three. But if you were to look at if you were to, if they don't get a win from this week, and you were to fast forward the table five games on, you know you could. Very, it'd be very plausible to see us and I were five games on out and still 22, 23 points. Mm. And, and that would, I, I don't know how they, you know, they need to get points as early as possible. I I back Deitch to do a number on Forest. I do. Um, I think they're going to win 2 0. Uh, yeah. There you go. Just, and that's just as they did um, on the last trip to the City Ground in 1998. Gab about to say that then. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Yeah. I I just wow. I think this is if Everton are going to start to move up the table, this has to be when they start. Yeah. They they need a positive result in this week, uh, this weekend. You know I I feel like Forest is still a little bit of a chaotic side, still a little bit yeah. up and down. Deitch knows them better than anybody else, probably. I just I backed Dyche to yeah. in, in the same way that there was there wasn't a single part of me that thought that Everton would lose against Leeds, just because they're so chaotic and disorganised. It just felt like that team was the perfect team for Dyche to be coming up against at that time. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I I think I think he I think he gets it. I think I think we get a win yeah. on, on Sunday and a happier podcast next he's, week. He's going next year and having an arm wrestle for who goes next. Yeah, the natural score with what you said about the 2-4-0 defeats is a 4-0 draw. 
of which there's not been a four all draw in the Premier League since Everton to Man United in 2012. You get to 30 games and you've got 23, 20, you know, 24 points even. And the last eight games, there's none of them are gimmies until, but, but you know, we've got man, still got Man City to play, haven't we? Stop Man United away, haven't we? Stopped. Even as well, like when you look at it, Fulham. Got to go to Brighton. A, a home. Got to go to Brighton, haven't we? Brighton away. Yeah. And Newcastle home. A three tough games. Yeah, and you're, <laughs> you're, looking, not, you're looking at them and thinking, how many good points are going to get there? And we've only got 24 from Thursday. Like, you're, you're seeing all that, but now you're so, going to go I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with, I'm going to say a 1 0. A Newcastle type, what is it? 1 0. Yeah, I'm going to 1 0 for that. But actually, no reason at all. Joe's imbued me with confidence, and we should get into the team uh, team talk on uh, yeah. Sunday with that. that Draw a little yeah. goatee on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to get the red dye out. Well. <laughs> Okay, one, two nil, one nil. I'm also after what's well, probably been a bit of a doom and gloom podcast. Mm. I think it's safe to say, <laughs> gonna gonna finish on a positive and say two one. I think um, it'll be tough, like yeah. Yeah. Two, it'll be tough, and it'll be like edge of the seat stuff towards the end. We'll be hanging on for dear life, but mm. I think we'll get over. It'll probably be very reminiscent of Leicester away last year. Shout, right. yeah. When yeah. when when it kind of we grounded out, but towards the end, of the last ten minutes, it was like <laughs> heart and mouth. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you were kind of. The clock was ticking very slowly, should we say? So yeah, yeah. I'm going to go up two one as well. Yeah. I can't, I can't see anything there. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not giving a score. No, I was going to go. I was, always, okay, going, okay. I was <laughs> always going one nil. So, oh. Everton, yeah, one nil Everton. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll be smiling just as much uh, come next week. But regardless of that, we'll all, we'll all be back with you then. I've been your host Chris Beasley, been joined by Joe Thomas, Gavin Buckland, and Conor O'Neill. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.